Hello and welcome to the Carney E-Free Podcast. This podcast provides an opportunity for different ministry leaders and pastors to talk about various topics that could be happening within our church, within our community, or even around the world. My name is Eric O'Brien and I'm the tech director here at E-Free. And joining us for this podcast is Pastor Adrian. Uh, today we'll be talking about our most recent sermon series, The Daily Grind. And we wanted to look at some questions that people had over the course of the series. So Adrian, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Eric. Great to be with you. It's the first time you called me Pastor Adrian in a long time. It doesn't sound very good. <laughs> so I shouldn't start now with Pastor Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just fine. It's okay, just, just, fine. just Adrian then. <laughs> uh, it's good to be with you, Eric. Thanks. Um, so with that, uh, let's jump into some of these questions. What do you think? Sure thing. Yeah, let's okay. go for it. Well, one question that came up um, in the course of this series is, you know, some people who have um, a long day at work and... They don't maybe get a chance to talk about it with people at work. They come home and vent or complain about work to their spouses or their friends. Um, do you think that is a, a wrong thing to do? Mm, what a great question. You know, first, I'm, I'm glad we're doing this podcast, Eric. I'll just say because uh, I've really enjoyed this series, The Daily Grind. I hope our church mm. has as well. And I thought seven weeks would be sufficient, but there's just been a number of great questions from so many people in our church. Mm -hmm. And in addition to great questions, lots of really good feedback about ways that people are excelling at work and ways that people are struggling at work. And this question that you ask here is one of the most common ones. Mm -hmm. There are things that we all dislike about our jobs. Sure. A hundred percent of us. Me too. You too, I'm sure. (laughs) All of us do. And... So uh, there is an appropriate role to vent, I suppose, or you know, to let off steam. We all need that to some degree. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's a really good question. When am I stepping over the line mm-hmm. yeah. in terms of how I'm speaking about my job? And uh, you know, how am I speaking about other people at my job? And so you know, I guess here's a couple principles to perhaps uh, consider. You want to really identify uh, where where is the line between sharing my frustration and starting to gossip. Mm-hmm. And each of us has to do that individually. But if we're honest with ourselves and we choose not to rationalize our speech, um, sometimes we share our frustration because we're looking for someone else to help us solve a problem. Yeah. And yeah. that's wonderful. That's wise. That would be seeking wise counsel mm-hmm. as you describe the problem. The Bible tells us to seek wise counsel many times. But there's something else where we're kind of suggesting that we're seeking wise counsel, but in truth, we want to bash someone at the workplace. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the Bible is just replete with warnings about gossip. It says um, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. Mm. They go down to the innermost parts of a man's being. I mean, you think of the imagery of that when you've received gossip from someone, it has that effect. It just sticks to you. It goes down to the innermost parts. Proverbs 26, 6 says, uh, without wood, a fire dies down. And without a gossip, the quarrel dies down. Mm. And we all know that to be true, don't we? Mm -hmm. That when someone chooses, I'm just not going to go there, then it, it dies down. So that's the first thing I would say is find that difficult line between needing someone's help to solve a problem, express sometimes a frustration that you're having to deal with, 
and um, going into gossip. Uh, the second thing that I would say is uh, if you're talking to your spouse or a friend about some trouble at work, perhaps you would genuinely ask for prayer. Like it's not just let me vent, but this is where I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. This is where work is frustrating for me. Would you be willing to pray with me for this? Would you pray that God would change my attitude toward it? Yeah. Would you pray with me that perhaps I could do something that would contribute positively to changing the temperature in our office? Um, we don't want to just hate our jobs and then wait for someone else to do something. Don't hate and wait. Do something about it yourself. And the way we do some about that ourselves, first and foremost, is, is by praying. And I find that oftentimes God changes my attitude toward things that I don't enjoy in my job as I just uh, go to that. And then finally, I would say this. um, Many of the problems that we have in the workplace are related to a person. Yeah, to not a situation, but a person in, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that person matters. Yeah. That person is made of the image of God. And so we ask, how can I serve this person? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. in general, when I have a negative attitude, attitude t- towards someone and then I begin to pray for that person and then I ask ways that I can serve that person, my attitude toward that person changes and thereby the attitude toward the work situation changes. We have a unique opportunity as Christians in the workplace. Most of us are minorities in the workplace day in and day out. And the Bible says, do everything without complaining or grumbling so that you may shine like stars in the universe in a, wo- in a wicked and depraved generation. We live in a, a wicked, crooked generation. We can, sti- we can shine like stars when we choose in the workplace not to complain or grumble. It stands out. It stands out, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a really, really good, good question. No black and white answer, um, but I think we are all wise to begin by asking, is this going over the line into gossip? Yeah, I've noticed um, in my own life sometimes that, um, you know, in the past, if I was talking to my wife about something that happened at work or something or um, asking her opinion on an interaction I had with somebody, I think you can get into a tendency also if you're having an issue with a person that you constantly talk about that person in what can be perceived as a negative light. And it might not even be a, a total negative situation, but now your spouse only has that negative point of view unless you also bring in the positive about work. So I think that's a danger too of creating a negative connotation with your work with your spouse. And um, Yeah, well said. That prevents an actual problem solving from happening Yeah, if they don't see the full picture. And I think that what you said about praying um, first and foremost about the situation starts it off at a positive light that says that you're not just complaining, but you're trying to fix the situation in a biblical manner. Yeah, yeah, well said. So another another question that we have, for some people, you know, we're, we're in a situation that we work at a church, uh, but for those that don't, how can somebody live the gospel at work? Yeah, great question. We all can and must live the gospel out at work every day. As we've talked about in this series, there is no sacred, secular split. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is from uh, an old theologian by the name of Abraham Kuyper, and he says, Jesus declares over the entire universe, every square inch is mine. Mm-hmm. 
th- there's nothing in all the universe, certainly not our jobs, that are outside of the purview of the gospel. Sure. And so how do you live out the gospel every day is a, is a great question in our quote-unquote secular jobs. Uh, I think we do that well <clears throat> by spending a little bit of time with God in the morning. Mm-hmm. By beginning our day saying, God, I want to be invigorated by you. I ask for your help today, and I ask that you would enliven my spirit again with the truth that I am a beloved child of God, forgiven by God. Help me to live that out in the workplace today. There's a lot of scriptures related to work. Um, The book of Proverbs, for example, has hundreds of scriptures related to work. Perhaps you take the next couple months and you read the book of Proverbs a couple times over. And you note all the scriptures in the book of Proverbs related to work. And you choose to meditate on certain ones that are especially helpful for your situation. And then um, ask the Lord to use you in the workplace. Uh, One of the things I think can be most helpful is you look at your calendar at the beginning of the day. And you see these different tasks that need to be done, different meetings that are coming up, and you just pray over those. Mm. You take out that calendar, you take out those lists, and you say, this is what I see coming, Lord. I I ask for your help in this difficult meeting. Here's a task that's difficult for me. Help me to do it with excellence, God. And all this is reorienting our mind toward Christ as opposed to kind of a materialistic worldview. Jesus is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. And so to think of him often and begin with prayer. Another thing that we can do is uh, commit with a coworker to lead with positivity. Mm-hmm. Most of us have one coworker who's a Christian, not always, but many times. And so to have a conversation and say, hey, l- let's, let's lead with positivity. What would that look like for us to do that? And if you make a mistake at work, own up to it. Admit it. Ask forgiveness. We live in a world where people are so scared to say, I did something wrong, I made a mistake, I need forgiveness. And so when Christians actually lead that way, admitting, I missed the mark, I didn't do my very best, or actually failed in some way, and they say that, it stands out as unique. When we say, I'm sorry, or I want to improve this about my performance, that stands out as transparent, and vulnerable, and um, it leads to all kinds of other conversations as well. And I think you said in the past, um, you know, about a different topic, like if you find yourself lying about something, like telling a little white lie, and then um, noticing that, and then realizing, oh, I don't know why I said that, owning up to it, like immediately saying, like, you know, this wasn't right of me. Um, And so some of that is like, as soon as you can, as soon as you catch your own fault, owning up to that, because that's not a that's not a typical worldly right. perspective. Right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, people do white lies all the time. Yeah. And the quicker you own up to something like that and admit it, the uh, greater level of authority I think you oftentimes have in someone else's life, or at least spiritual authority, spiritual transparency. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. Here at EFree, our staff has the uh, the staff values on a cube. We have different values written out on the cube. And I was thinking for somebody, um, you know, if they don't work for a church, even if they had something just for themselves to come up with staff values that they come up with themselves for their job at their own work that says that this is what I'm going to live by, whether it's, um, you know, it's integrity, it's um, thinking the best of one another, these sort of things that, 
you can come up with your own set of your own list of things that you will live by at work. And um, that could help to reorient your job towards positivity with those around you without ever even um, without even getting into biblical theology or anything. You, you, you live out the principles, you know. Right, right. Oh, and it's a great conversation starter. Yeah. So tell me about the values that you use and how did you come up with those? Mm-hmm. Why are those values so important to you? As you noted, Eric, we have six staff values and it's a great conversation starter for our staff. It's a great accountability measure. And for someone to do that individually, I think it'd be all the more powerful. Yeah, I think it'd be really neat. Yeah. Um, well, then that kind of uh, dovetails to our next question here. How can somebody share the gospel at work? You know, a lot of um, places that people work almost completely uh, completely actually prohibit that. So how does somebody share the gospel at work? Yeah, that's a great question. And there are times that we cannot share the gospel. There are certainly places that we cannot talk about spiritual things. Uh, but I love the way um, St. Francis of Assisi put it. He said, preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. Sure. <laughs> and of course, words are necessary eventually. But even if you're not able to use words initially, you can speak about things that are important to you. And there's all kinds of natural opportunities for us in our day to uh, speak about things that are important to us, notably our church and our spiritual life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Peter says, set apart Christ as Lord over your heart, always being ready to give an answer of the hope that you have within you to anyone who asks you. So always being ready to... To, to give a sense of the hope that I have in Christ and then taking advantage of any opportunity where that naturally comes up. Uh, wh- what we want to do in all of our lives, I do this when I go to the YMCA. Mm-hmm. I do this when I'm coaching basketball. I do this when I volunteer in the community. I want to put Christ on the table mm-hmm. in very simple ways. And so um, here's a list of a few different ways though, that you can do that. Even if you're not able to... Um, speak about your spiritual life in an explicit manner. Uh, Number one, you work with excellence. Uh, When you consistently do your job really, really well, you show others that you care, eventually that stands out. Uh, Another thing that you can do is use your meal time strategically. Most people go out to lunch. Yeah. Not all people, but if you have coworkers who go out to lunch, ask them out to lunch. Yeah. And uh, talk about their lives. Ask them questions about their beliefs. Uh, develop the skill of going from talking about the weather and the Huskers yeah. to family, to what are your values, to um, how do you explore those, mm-hmm. and what happens when you disobey your values or you uh, struggle with something, what do you do with that? And then all of a sudden you're in the whole realm of spiritual discussion. Learn the names of your coworkers and their family family members. That's a good one, yeah. You know, like we talked about this with our neighboring effort. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just learn the names of the people around you in your neighborhood, you'll set yourself apart. Yeah, and that sticks with people. It really does. Yeah, yeah it really does. So you learn the names of your coworkers and their family members. You learn something about their family members. Um, be the first one to welcome newcomers into the office. What if uh, someone in your workplace is ill? Uh, Who's going to be the one that organizes a meal train for them? Who's going to be the one to 
offer help to that person and then follow through with it for that person. These are all unique opportunities that we have to display the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that kind of lifestyle built up over time shines with beauty. And then we take advantage of any opportunity that God gives where we could give a reason for the hope that we have, yet do so with gentleness and respect. So it may not be in that first conversation, but hopefully over time, eventually, it gets brought up. Yeah. I mean, we probably should ditch the idea that we're going to immediately bring people to the Lord. Yeah. It just almost never happens that way. Um, People are so biblically illiterate today in Mm -hmm. our culture. They have lots of questions. You have to do Mm pre-work to get the idea of spirituality on the table. And that begins just by doing your job with excellence and acting with integrity and then going out of your way to really serve people. And slowly over the course of many months or many years, you um, develop uh, something fresh about what you bring to the table, other people notice, and then you get to talk about real things. Now, you have to take advantage of it when those opportunities are given. And sometimes we don't take advantage because we're scared of rejection mm-hmm. or we're scared we won't get a promotion or something like that. But um, we, we just remind ourselves that the people around us are spiritual beings looking for spiritual answers and uh, people are going to live forever. And so we have a wonderful opportunity to make a difference in people's lives in the 40 or 50 hours a week that we do each week. And that and that's awesome because it doesn't matter you know, who you work with or what kind of job you have. I mean, over the course of time, there's always a lunch. There's always a day off that you can help somebody with, uh, you know, moving or something like that. There's always occasions where you can get in there and and do that. Right. You know, the one other thing that I'd add to this, Eric, is because it says always be ready. The scriptures say always be ready. Uh, Jesus says go and make disciples of all nations. When the opportunity comes to us, the people are curious. Mm Mm-hmm. We better have a response. Yeah. And so to develop a really simple response on what the gospel is and to be prepared to proclaim that, that it's more than only your personal story, though it might include your personal story. Uh, the simplest one that I've ever found and the one that I use most frequently is just the idea of substitution. And the gospel is basically that I have spent my life seeking to substitute myself for the place that God belongs. Mm-hmm. That's on the throne over my heart. And that has, as a result, separated me from fellowship with God. And God was not willing to lose me. He's not willing to lose you. And so he sends his son to be a perfect substitute for me and all of my failures to bring me to God. And it's up to me to either receive that or to reject it. But you see there from the one word substitution, I have a um, one minute explanation of what the gospel is. So each person has to figure out what that looks like for them. There's a number of different analogies for that. There's a number of simple outlines, though, that one could use. Maybe a verse or two, though, that you'd like to hold on to. The Roman road is another one. Romans 3.23, 6.23, and 10.9 and 10. But to have that in a simple, natural manner um, will enable you to communicate Christ when the opportunity arises. And we can live with faith knowing that that opportunity will arise at some point. Yeah, I mean, it's surprising to me when I go to the gym, uh, people do notice. Yeah. And eventually there's conversations to be had. 
Sometimes it's because they know I'm a pastor, but not always. A lot of times being a pastor is a detriment. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of times not being a pastor and just being someone who's able to speak winsomely about the faith that they have in Christ and um, be a refreshing witness who is kind everywhere they go, um, that stands out. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, another question we have here. Um, you've often said who you work for is more important than what you do, um, but is there a time to leave a job? Yeah, what a great question, Eric. I've hammered that one pretty hard over this series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's true, but there might be time to leave a job. Um, Tim Keller has helped me on this in his book, Every Good Endeavor. He says this, ask yourself why you hate the job. Is it because you're working with corrupt and abusive people mm-hmm. and you need help to get out? If so, then it's probably time to get out, and that's okay. If it's a corrupt environment, if it's an unjust environment, if there's an abusive environment, get out by all means. Sure. Um, but more likely, he says, it's because you're being asked to do things you don't really like, um, uh, asked to help people that you don't really like, uh, you don't always agree with the methods and the decisions of the company. You're sometimes asked to cut corners where you don't think that you should. In those scenarios, especially in youth, you know, think about people under 25 or so, it's really important to stay and find your place in the workforce. You need to learn the ropes of the profession and build your resume. If you quit too early, you won't gain the knowledge, relationships, and tools to succeed in a position within the profession that is more values driven. Mm. And so what he's saying there is if we quit too early, we short circuit our own sanctification process. Uh, Sometimes our job can be that which changes us. And also if we quit too early, we do not learn the tools by which we would be able to change the workplace. The person who jumps from place to place to place really isn't able to provide much change anywhere. And so um, that's just a caution. That said, um, there is a time to leave. And I would say um, uh, one question to ask is you can evaluate, am I adding value here? Do I have an opportunity to add value here? And if you've put your nose down to the ground, you've worked hard for a couple of years and there's nothing changing and you cannot add value, it'd be okay to find another job where you can add value to people's lives. Hmm. Um, Another question to ask is, does this job enable me to use any part of my shape that we talked about? Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. And again, if you've worked hard and you've sought new opportunities, you've done your very best, you've asked for new opportunities within that corporation, and those opportunities have not been given to you. If you have sought to lead up to your supervisor, sought to encourage and to help your supervisor and take on new projects by which you could spread your wings a little Mm -hmm. bit more, and even so, every door is closed, Mm -hmm. then you might say, I'm not using anything that God has given me, and I've given it a really good try for, for the last few years, God, would you open up a new opportunity? Unfortunately, we live in a place that has a very good economy and there's lots of jobs. And so perhaps you could look for a new opportunity there. 
Now, you'd never want to look for a new opportunity at the expense of basic provision for your family. Yeah. Um, unless you were asked to do something, though, that was sinful. But uh, that would be more the centerpiece of your calling is the basic provision file for your family. But if you're doing that and you have new job opportunities that would better utilize your shape, then I think you can explore that. You know, Eric, there was a day that um, corporations were loyal to employees for decades. Sure, yeah. You signed up with IBM and you had a job with IBM for the next 30 years. Yeah. Uh, it's not that way anymore. Uh, corporations don't necessarily operate that way toward their employees. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that it's totally fair to expect employees to act that way toward the corporation. Sure. Especially when there's opportunities to better serve the Lord. So yeah, each of those can be um, examined on a case-by-case -case basis, but I would really recommend talking to someone who's older and wiser but before making those decisions, uh, seeing are there other opportunities that I can provide equally for my family, and then would there be another opportunity that would better fit my shape. Um, but don't do that too quickly, because if you do so, you might miss the opportunity to make a change in that workplace and also miss the opportunity for your own sanctification through your work. That's awesome. Well, and actually, um, kind of piggybacking on this question, um, what would, what about um, somebody who feels like really driven, um, say to climb the corporate ladder, or step into that next best thing? Um, and you mentioned ma providing for your family, but what if they want to, you know, prov just provide more for their family? Um, do you think that that mindset fights against the idea of being happy where God has you now? Uh, it can. Um. But that's my personality. Yeah. Being driven. Yeah. Yeah. And wanting the next opportunity. That's just part of the way God made me. That's part of the way God made a lot of people. And um, for some of us, if you have that personality and you don't get new opportunities, it starts to deteriorate your soul. Yeah. For lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the requests of your supervisor come in. Is there something more that I could do? I see that there's this need in our organization. Can I step into that? Mm -hmm. And frequently when we do that, new opportunities arise for us. Now you'll probably learn within a few years at a company if there's nepotism, yeah. that all the new opportunities go to family and friends. Yeah. And if you're not family and friends, then maybe you don't get it. And so you look outside. But in many places, that's not the way it operates. It operates on the basis of skill and those who take advantage of the opportunities they have. So to create those opportunities is really, really wise. Um, and showing and, the initiative to ask for those opportunities, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like as a team leader, who doesn't want team members who take the initiative to do more? Yeah. Those are the people that I say... Uh, 10 times out of 10, that's who I want on my team. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to elevate those people. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, now that the uh, the Daily Grind Sermon Series is coming to an end, um, do you have any final thoughts on, on the series or um, things you'd like to say to those who are in the midst of their own daily grind? I, I think I would just close with the reinforcement of something that we talked about a few weeks ago as it relates to calling. And it's that not only who you work for is more important than what you do, but also before Christ, what you will be called to account on is how you do your job and why you do your job. Mm. 
And so for each of us to take as an application from this series a clear articulation of the why behind my work as it relates to helping others, serving yeah. with excellence, upholding dignity, um, seeking to live out the gospel where I am working, a clear why, a clear how for the way I will work that will make the name of Christ more famous, and then a really clear who that amidst the ups and downs of the daily grind in the midst of thorns and thistles that we all have to work through, we ultimately are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that can be empowering for us on the job day in and day out, even through some really difficult weeks. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Adrian, for the the sermon series. I know that the the congregation and and myself were all blessed by it, and um, it's good to learn together and uh, to know that we're all kind of in it together in the daily grind. So yeah, yeah. thanks, Eric. Really appreciate it. With that, um, we'll wrap up that in this podcast and. Um, stay tuned for the next couple of weeks. Next week, we're going to have apologist Frank Turek speaking here at eFree during both services. And then we'll start our brand new series called Dangerous Prayers. Um, and Adrian, thanks again for answering these follow-up questions today. You're welcome. Thank you, Eric. Mm-hmm.